Today's gospel lesson comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, and I will read from the message translation. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him ten dollars. He seized him by the throat and demanded, Pay up now! The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, You evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful for your, to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in Heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? Well, you ought to just remind each other when you walk in the door. Yeah, you're the beloved, and you might need to really hang on to that today if this gospel is to make any sense whatsoever. If we don't know and claim at some level that we're the beloved sons and daughters of God, the gospel today makes no sense. A few years ago, I was invited to lead a spiritual retreat for a congregation, and they chose the topic of forgiveness. And after the usual beginning of most retreats, which involves coffee and name games and getting to know one another, we started briefly talking about some of the scriptures, the many scriptures that point us to forgiveness. And within about the first half an hour, a number of people had lifted up some horrific stories of injustice, of pain being caused, of people being hurt, and said, well, that can't be forgiven, right? And what I realized after we went down that rabbit hole for a while was that it's very easy for us to lift up the monsters the awful experiences of indignity and hurt so that we can say, well, certainly that can't be forgiven, so I don't really need to worry about forgiving my neighbor or my family member or my loved one 
or whoever. As long as we can keep the monsters out there and realize they'll never be forgiven, that gives us a free pass to not do the hard work of forgiveness. I have a profound sense that each of us, at some level, are carrying around some unforgiveness, some stuff that we haven't worked through or given up or let go of because it's kind of a part of our landscape, it's part of our identity. In some ways, it's even a strange part of our sense of comfort to know that we can hang on to this certain grudge or this certain resentment or this certain justifiable anger. So the Gospel of Matthew lifts up forgiveness because the Gospel writer of Matthew is really addressing how does the early church govern itself? How does it care for community? How does it invest in community? Because uh, community is so important for those who are followers of Jesus. And the Gospel writer of Matthew knows how fraught and fragile community is. And so when he lifts up, when the Gospel writer lifts up this idea of forgiving, it's not just for individual relationships, it's for the whole community of faith. Because Matthew knows that if the early church doesn't learn to forgive and forgive often, people will either leave or they will become a community of passive-aggressive grumblers who hang on to resentment and hang on to bitterness and hang on to anger that really does not help Christian community at all. The Gospel writer of Matthew knows that if the early church doesn't learn how to forgive well and forgive often, they will no longer be seekers of God, they will become seekers of revenge. I don't know if that bears out in your experience of church community, but in my experience, I would say that if you take out people who move away from a church or people who die, 90-some percent of the reason why people leave a, a congregation is because they have chosen not to forgive or are, for some reason, unable to forgive someone for something. Let me know on the way out if that's also your experience. When you think of people who have left any church you've been a part of, or perhaps you have left a church, is it because of a forgiveness issue? Is it because we've been unable to muster whatever it takes to forgive someone for something? You know, there's a lot of uh, good wisdom out there on forgiveness. Uh, some of it is Christian, but for good Christian faith, I think we need to receive good medical wisdom and good Christian faith and hold them together. We need to hold good science and good Christian faith together. I think we need to hold good psychology and good Christian faith together um, if we're going to be about this process of forgiveness. You know, Jesus was asked by Peter in the Gospel of Matthew, how many times should I forgive? Seven. Peter's thinking he's all magnanimous. Seven. Pretty good. Pretty righteous. Jesus says, no, 
seven times 70. In other words, if you think you can forgive someone on the first pass, on the first try, you're kidding. We need to forgive, and then when we get angry again, forgive again, and then when we take back our resentment, forgive again. It is a long process that is not for the faint of heart. It may be the hardest thing we Christians have to do, but forgiveness is a process. I wish it could be easy. I wish it could, but it's not. It's hard work that we need to keep, keep investing in. Did you know that Stanford University has something called the Stanford University Forgiveness Institute? Yeah. Good science, good academics are studying the effects of forgiveness on the human body. Do you know that when we human beings have learned to forgive, it affects our blood pressure in a good way? It strengthens the immune system when we learn to forgive and let certain things go. It reduces gastrointestinal and other body pains when we learn to forgive. There's a direct impact on our physical health, let alone our relationships, when we learn to let go of certain anger, certain pain, or the memory of that. You know, all of our forgiveness stuff right now, unless someone has just offended you who's sitting next to you in your pew, it's probably a memory. A memory of pain, a memory of hurt, a memory of humiliation, a, a memory of being wronged. It's a memory or a feeling. And that's really important for us because for some time, sometimes we think it's so real that it's happening right now. We're reliving it. We're replaying the tape. We're replaying the narrative. And sometimes we get stuck in that narrative. So this, uh, Dr. Frederick Luskin, the director of the Stanford University Forgiveness Project, has outlined some steps when embarking on a path of forgiveness. This may be helpful. And they acknowledge right up front, and good Christian understanding of forgiveness, don't rush too quickly to forgiveness. When someone's been hurt, forgiveness is not the first thing that we talk about. Sometimes we need to feel our anger, our righteous anger. Sometimes we need to feel what we're feeling before we even think about forgiveness. So I'm talking about old forgivenesses stuff we've been carrying around for a few weeks or a few months or a few years or a few decades. Maybe you came to church to hear someone say, you can let it go. You don't need it anymore. One of the first steps know exactly how you feel about what happened and be able to articulate what about that situation is not okay. Then tell a trusted friend about your experience. Another step, make a commitment to yourself to do what you have to do to feel better. Usually when we're hanging on to old resentments, we're not feeling very good about ourselves 
or about whoever it is that wronged us. Three, forgiveness is for you. <laughs> it's not for anyone else. Forgiveness is for you. Lewis Smedes, who spent most of his life dedicated to the study of forgiveness, said, when we learn to forgive, we free the captive and we realize that the captive has been us. Forgiveness is for us. It's not for the person. The person who hurt us or wronged us may not even know we're going through this process. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Please hear me on this. Forgiving someone does not mean we're, we're, we're back in relationship. That's a whole other spirituality and a whole other task to work towards reconciliation. Forgiveness is in our grasp. It is in our capacity. It does not mean that the person that hurts you, that we are condoning their action. Forgiveness is not condoning bad behavior. It is not. It is something that is done within us to free us. What we're after is to find peace. That's the hope of forgiveness. The next step, and this is not linear, get the right perspective on what is happening. Recognize that your primary distress is coming from the hurt feelings, thoughts, and physical upset you are suffering now, not what offended you or hurt you two minutes or ten years ago. Forgiveness helps to heal hurt feelings. At the moment you feel upset, practice a simple stress management technique to soothe your body's fight or flight response. Do you know that when we get in touch with all those old angers, we start in our minds getting into that fight or flee mentality. One thing that I have found helpful when that fight or flight mentality hits me is to breathe deep. To breathe in the love of God and to breathe out the love of God. I'm sensing someone besides me needs to do that right now. Take a deep breath and breathe in the love of God. And breathe out the love of God. Breathe in the love of God again. And breathe out the love of God. Someone here besides me needs to breathe in the peace of God. Breathe in the peace of God. And breathe out the peace of God. Give up expecting things from others or your life that they do not choose to give you. Sometimes we need to just give up our expectations on somebody. If they haven't met our expectations, believe them. Maybe we need to lower our expectations or change our expectations. Put your energy into looking for another way to get your positive goals met. Instead of mentally replaying your hurt, seek out new ways to get what you want. At times in my life, I've gotten um, stuck in a funk of replaying old hurts. It's not helpful if we get stuck there. Jesus is offering us a new way out, a, 
a new way of letting go, a new way of entrusting that person or situation into God's hands and letting go of some of those old hurts and old resentments. One of the last steps, they really address the desire for revenge, which is an understandable response. Someone hurts us, we want to hurt them back. But ultimately, that doesn't help us, and it doesn't help the situation, and it doesn't put good energy out into the world. <laughs> so yesterday, this is an aside, yesterday we were passing out buckets and invitations to do good in the world at the farmer's market. Some, some um, woman walked up to our booth and she was reading our sign, which tells us maybe they're interested. And, and one of our, our parishioners said, um, good morning, how are you today? And the, re the person responded, I'm fine, but don't you mess it up. <laughs> what kind of energy are we putting out there into the world? <laughs> I think we're more in the flow of God when we want to put positive energy out there into the world, or into the church, or into our school, or into our workplace. Forgiveness helps us do that. Remember that a life well lived is your best revenge. Ah, that's good. We could take revenge. We could try and hurt someone back who's hurt us. That's not going to be helpful for them or for us. doesn't do good things for our soul. The best way to take revenge on an injustice is to live a positive, loving life. Forgiveness helps us do that. Instead of focusing on our wounded feelings and thereby giving the person who caused us pain power over us, learn to look for the love, beauty, and kindness around you. Forgiveness is really about personal empowerment. It takes great power and great strength to forgive, and when we can do that by God's grace, we are empowered to be in the flow of God's love. Finally, one of their last recommendations in this journey, this process of forgiveness, is amend your grievance story to remind you of the heroic choice to forgive. Our grievance story, which we're entitled to, but it won't help us in the flow of love we need to change that narrative, change the grievance story. I close with a brief glimpse. A friend of mine saw a bumper sticker that he recently preached about. And the bumper sticker simply said, forgive everyone for everything. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a good thing for us to start with the small stuff. Not the big stuff. You know what the big stuff is. I, I know you've already been doing some hard work. I feel it. I'm not talking about forgiving the monsters in your lives. I'm talking about starting with the small stuff. Someone cuts you off on the road. You get angry. Take a deep breath. Breathe in God's love. Breathe out God's love. And forgive that total stranger who's just made us so angry.
someone looks at us funny in the store or comes up to us in the farmer's market with some negative energy, just forgive them. Forgive them. Someone says a sarcastic remark to you. It's kind of biting. Maybe they're having a bad day. Let it go. Forgive them. Practice forgiving the little stuff and then the big stuff. We'll deal with that a little later. But it starts with the little stuff. Maybe we Christians are called to forgive someone for something every day. Maybe we wake up in the morning and say, God, give me an opportunity to flex my forgiveness muscles because I need some working out. I need to build up the ability and strength to forgive bigger stuff, but give me the eyes to see some little slight, some little comment, some little glance that I can just practice forgiving. It takes practice. You don't run a marathon on your first day. You've got to work up to that. When I've taken groups to Tizé, we read a book written by Brother Roger of Tizé that was written for community so that the community could sustain itself and keep forgiving each other and keep living into this mystery of following Christ. And on page 26, the title of that chapter is Forgive and Then Forgive Again. <laughs> Sometimes when we're on pilgrimage to Tizé, we simply have a code that says, Page 26. Because we know that traveling together is sometimes stressful. We don't all have the same idea of what to do with the day or how to get from point A to point B. Or Sometimes we just get tired. So we need to forgive each other. Page 26. I don't know who you need to forgive. If you want to talk about it, let me know. Because it's usually some pretty significant stuff. But let's pray for one another, even now, that God would help us in all the forgiveness work that we've got to do. We're not called to do it in isolation. We're called to do it together and to seek one another's help and one another's prayers. So I'm going to invite us to be silent just for a moment. Let's close our eyes and be prayerful for God's help. God, you know the struggles that we have. You know the hurts that we have carried around for a very long time. Help us to work with this. Help us to have the courage to forgive the little stuff so that one day we can forgive the big stuff. God bless the people sitting next to us and their journey towards forgiveness. God bless the people sitting behind us and in front of us and those who are worshiping with us online with whatever forgiveness issues they are wrestling with. Bless them with the small stuff so that one day we will be able to wrestle with and forgive the big stuff. God, we thank you for forgiving us for everything. Help us to forgive everyone for everything. We pray in Christ. Amen.